Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the teachings of Pastor Michael Lenz, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Before we get started with today's program, you can learn more about us, our free events, how to donate, the podcast, and much more when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Assistant Pastor Chris Van Hook and the conclusion of his teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 about what it means to boast in the Lord. If we look at the book of Acts chapter 18, we see that Paul spent 18 months in Corinth. That would have got a little repetitive if he just would have said that over and over, would it? And I think that uh, we, we need to understand. What Paul is saying here is that this is the message of salvation. And that there's no salvation apart from the message of the cross. But not only the cross. I know that Paul said that, but I think that it's implied that he was including the resurrection. And why do I say that? Well, 1 Corinthians 15, 17, Paul tells the Corinthians, he says, if Christ hasn't been raised, your faith is worthless and you are still in your sins. So it was the message of the cross and Christ crucified and raised from the dead. And it was that simple message and not any worldly wisdom that brought the Corinthians into their relationship with God. And remember that this is a correctional letter that Paul had written to them. And he wants to remind them that he didn't try to win them using eloquent speech or methods or gimmicks or anything else. And by the way, Paul was very capable of using eloquent speech. Paul was a highly educated leader of the Jewish people before he became a Christian. He knew how to do that. But Paul realized that all of his pedigree and all his wisdom that he had before he came to Christ was worth absolutely nothing when it came to preaching the message of salvation. And he knew that none of that could earn his way into heaven, so he certainly wasn't going to share with the Corinthians that there was any other way to heaven. So he kept his message, the cross, Christ crucified, Christ raised from the dead. And so he continues in verse 3 of 1 Corinthians 2. So he says, I didn't come to you with eloquence and speak. In fact, it was just the opposite. He says, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And I relate to this because I promise you, every time I stand in this pulpit, I am coming in weakness and fear and trembling because this is God's word and I revere it so highly and I don't ever want to mislead anyone when it comes to teaching the word of God so I know what Paul's talking about in one sense and Paul really means this he's not just saying he's not showing a false humility you know sometimes people say these things and it's just like yeah I just want to show you how humble I am no 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 that wasn't Paul here and I'll tell you why because before Paul got to Corinth he had been beaten up he'd been thrown out of towns He'd been spit upon. He had been treated horribly in other places that he went when he preached the gospel. And I'm sure when he came to Corinth, he was thinking, well, Lord, here we go again. What are they going to do to me here? He probably was very fearful. And, And how do we know that? Well, if you look in Acts 18, the Lord at a certain point says, Paul, don't be afraid. I'm going to give you many people in this city. Don't be afraid. Well, look, when do we need to be told to not be afraid? When we are afraid, right? 
So the Lord told Paul, no, don't be afraid of Corinth. And then Paul stayed for a year and a half teaching in Corinth. In verse 4 he says, And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith would not rest upon the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. You see, one thing that Paul found out when he was in Athens was that wise words and good debating skills was not the key to bringing people to salvation. Now, this will take a few minutes, but I would like for you to turn back to Acts chapter 17, if you would. Acts chapter 17. Starting in verse 22. So this is Paul when he, when he came to Athens, and I want you to see what happened to him. Acts 17.22, it says, So Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I observe that you are very religious in all respects. For while I was passing through and examining the objects of your worship, I also found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. Verse 24, The God who made the world and all the things in it, since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all people life and breath and all things. Verse 26, And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation, that they would seek God, if perhaps they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him, verse 28, we live and move and exist, as even some of your own poets have said, for we are his children. Being then the children of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone or an image formed by the art and thought of man. Verse 30, therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead now if you read through that you realize this was absolutely brilliant rhetoric this was the style that should have wowed the Greeks as he, he was explaining step by step. This is how they related one to another by this kind of brilliant rhetoric and following of logic. This was huge for the Greeks. He was using their methods to bring the gospel to them. And you know, I, I would agree that whenever you're speaking to a group of people, you do need to find some common ground something that they relate to and, and understand. I think that's very helpful. But look at the results here. Acts 17, 32. Now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some began to sneer. Others said, we shall hear you again concerning this. Now I, I don't really think they meant that. You know, I think that's one of those things like when we're trying to get out of something, we'll go, oh, oh this is great. Hey, let's do this some other time, okay? Because I really want to hear more of this when you have no intention of listening to it again. But maybe not. That's my speculation. But it says in verse 33, so Paul went out of their midst after this. So he had used this 
brilliant means of rhetoric and logic and bring them to a conclusion. But as soon as he said anything about resurrection of the dead, they just went, yeah, okay. So you see, it wasn't of much benefit. In verse 34 there, you see that there still was a few converts, though. It says, some men joined him and believed, among whom also were Dionysius, the Aeropagite, and a woman named uh, Damaris, and others with them. So there was some results, but there wasn't this, this big uh, coming to Christ, like when Peter gave his first sermon and 3,000 people were saved. So I can't say for sure, but I think if you follow along in the book of Acts and watch how Paul shared the gospel after that, I think it's possible that after that experience, Paul may have realized something, that, that even his ability to use rhetoric, his ability to be so logical and and, and use the methods that, that might bring someone to the Lord, I think he realized that it doesn't really work. That ultimately, no one's going to come to the Lord without the drawing power of the Holy Spirit. And I think when he came to Corinth, he, he realized that, and so he said, I don't need to do that. I'm sticking with the simple message of the cross, Christ crucified and raised from the dead for your salvation. And that's what he did. So that no one can boast in themselves. You see, if Paul was able to bring people to the Lord because of his brilliance, then who gets the glory? Who gets the credit? Oh, it's, you know, if I wasn't so sharp, maybe these people wouldn't come to the Lord. And you see, if our faith, if our faith was based on the wisdom of one man's words, couldn't a wiser man talk us out of our faith? And in fact, doesn't that seem to happen? We see people come to the Lord and then somebody gets a hold of them with their, their cultic um, rhetoric, their cultic materials, and talks them out of their faith. So if our faith was dependent on one man's words, I'm not sure it's true faith. And even if our faith was dependent on us, if it had anything to do with us, then God's not sovereign. Now, don't get me wrong here. I'm not teaching that we do not have free will. I absolutely, categorically, and if there's any Calvinists in here, you can check with me afterwards. I oppose that teaching. I believe that God has given us free will. But without God's intervention by the power of His Spirit, giving us a measure of faith that we need to accept His gift of grace, we couldn't even receive that gift. We would not have the capacity to believe the message of the gospel unless the Holy Spirit was drawing and God was giving us the measure of faith to do it. Does that make sense to you? That's what makes sense to me. That's why it says in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. So that no one may boast. And as a gift, it's something we still, the only step we have in the process is to receive. To as many as received him, he gave the right to become children of God. That's pretty clear to me that we must receive. That's the only step that we make. But as I said, we couldn't even do that without God giving us the ability to do that. You've been listening to the Walk in Truth program. 
Hey, Shane Lance here. I'm the music director at Living Truth, and I wanted to take a moment and invite you to our annual Harvest Fest. This is an event that we do every year on Halloween at 5.30 p.m., and it's absolutely free. This is great if you want to come by yourself or you want to come with the whole family. We have something for everybody. The kids will enjoy a petting zoo, balloon artists, bounce houses. There's going to be live music, games, the pumpkin patch, a photo booth. Maybe even an opportunity to meet Pastor Michael. He'll be there that night, more than willing to shake your hand and say hello. So we really want to invite you to be a part of our family at Living Truth and come out this night. It's a great option if you're not super interested in going trick-or-treating with your kids. This is an awesome opportunity, and it's also a great opportunity to bring a friend. Whether they believe in the gospel or not, the gospel will be preached this night. We believe in the power of the gospel, then it will be proclaimed So we hope that you'll join us. For more information on our Harvest Fest, go to walkintruth.com or you can download our Living Truth Christian Fellowship app in the App Store. We really hope to see you on October 31st, 5.30 p.m. for our annual Harvest Fest. Make sure you subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast, available on your favorite podcast app. Now back to Assistant Pastor Chris Van Hook right here on Walk in Truth. I believe that God has given us free will. But without God's intervention by the power of His Spirit, giving us a measure of faith that we need to accept His gift of grace, we couldn't even receive that gift. We would not have the capacity to believe the message of the gospel unless the Holy Spirit was drawing and God was giving us the measure of faith to do it. Does that make sense to you? That's what makes sense to me. That's why it says in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. So that no one may boast. And as a gift, it's something we still, the only step we have in the process is to receive. To as many as received him, he gave the right to become children of God. That's pretty clear to me that we must receive. That's the only step that we make. But as I said, we couldn't even do that without God giving us the ability to do that. So now, instead of persuasive words, Paul says, here's my message. And as it puts in the the NIV, it says, and a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Now I want to get back to that. A demonstration of the Spirit's power. What is he speaking of here? That's kind of, kind of wide open. And I think there's a couple of possibilities and I think we should think about both of them. One is that Paul may have been used by God to perform some miracles in Corinth. God may have given him that ability. He gave it to him at other times. He gave all the apostles abilities to perform miracles. Now again, it's not in their own flesh. It's by the power of the Spirit. But that happened. That could have happened in Corinth. We don't know because the book of Acts doesn't tell us that. So since it doesn't tell us that, we don't see that there, it makes me wonder, is he talking about something else? And I think there's a second possibility. And when you think about it, there are people who come to the Lord because they see the power of a miracle, right? Maybe some of you have. Maybe, maybe someone in your family was healed and you finally went, Wow, God is real, and you came to the Lord. But you know, that number is kind of minuscule compared to the amount of people who have come by the simple preaching of the gospel. And so the other possibility, and the one that I lean towards, is that he's just referring to the drawing power of the Holy Spirit. 
And the power that's in the simple gospel message, he's saying, by the power of the Spirit, you were able to accept this simple gospel message that I am giving to you. And I don't think there's really anything more powerful than that. And in fact, Jesus even said, you know, uh, even if one were raised from the dead, they would not believe. Remember that? So signs and wonders are often awesome, and they, they can bring people to the Lord, but it's the power of the Spirit drawing a person and illuminating the simple gospel message that I believe brings people to Christ. And I think that, that should, if you don't know that already, and, and, and in the church today, I would say it might be a revelation to some churches today and some pastors and teachers today that it's that simple gospel message and the power of the Holy Spirit that draws people to the Lord. Because I have to be honest with you, my heart really breaks when I see so many churches today using gimmicks and eloquence of speech and methods in their speech and ways of manipulating people's emotions to come to the Lord. And even to the point where oftentimes they don't even preach the true gospel. They don't preach sin and repentance from sin and Jesus and Him crucified. Oftentimes it's that, that prosperity doctrine, that gospel that, that says if you do this you're going to be healthy and wealthy and you need to come to Christ or, or even that that one that says, well, look, just come to Jesus because your marriage will be better and your family will be better. Well, those things are true, but that's not why we come to Christ. You know why we come to Christ? Because we're sinners in need of a Savior. And they would say, but that offends people. Yeah, it does. It offends people when you say you're a sinner and you need a Savior. Why? Because we want to hear, oh, you're so wonderful. You're so sweet and so kind. Jesus would be so happy to have you in the kingdom. That's what we want to hear. But that's not the gospel. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and turn aside to miss. And in case you're wondering, that time has come. That time has come. I'm not sure it wasn't always that way, but it certainly is true now. And you know, that, that preaching of, of prosperity and health and wealth and living your best life now. Well, that might put a lot of people in the church pews and it might put a lot of people in their own wealth it might fill the, the coffers of the church, but that's not the gospel. And it's not a gospel that's going to save you from the wrath of God. It's Jesus Christ and Him crucified and Him raised from the dead to bring you new life. You see, it's about the fact that Jesus did for us what we couldn't do to pay the price for our sin. We couldn't do it. There's nothing that we could do to earn our way in to heaven. And that's why we put our trust in him. Because he's the one that did the work. And I, I asked this question a couple of times, and I think we should ask it again. I, I've often thought about this. You know, if Jesus didn't do anything else for us, 
I mean, he does so much for us. We come to him, we ask for things, and he grants us things, and sometimes he doesn't, thank God. But even if he never did that, if the only thing he ever did was die on the cross so that we could have a relationship with him, wouldn't that be enough? Wouldn't that be enough? And that's why we boast only in the Lord. And you know what? As we read this and as we contemplate on the fact that we only boast in the Lord, the good thing is that we get to boast in the Lord. And we should boast in the Lord. And we shouldn't be shy about boasting in the Lord. Let's go ahead and boast in Him. Let's tell people, let's let the world know that we have a God that loves us so much that He came to earth in the form of a man, that He died on the cross to set us free from sin and death, and He rose again on the third day, demonstrating victory over death, and He evermore lives to intercede on our behalf. Can we boast in the Lord? Yes, let's boast in the Lord. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. When we're out in the streets and the highways and the byways, at work when it's appropriate, not when you're supposed to be doing something else, but when you're with someone else, talk about the Lord. Boast in the Lord. Don't boast in yourself. Remind people that I was nothing when I came to the Lord. Oh, yeah, I might have had even some great worldly stature. And I know there's some people in here that did. It wasn't me, but some of you did. You had good worldly stature. But when you came to the Lord like Paul, you realized it was worth nothing. It was worth nothing in the kingdom of heaven. So I'm going to boast in the Lord and I'm going to tell you about Jesus and what he did for us. And I'm going to boast in the Lord and I'm going to boast in the cross. And let's be people who boast in the Lord. Amen? Let's be people who share the truth of the gospel. Simplicity. When you're out there and, and I know so many of you struggle with sharing the Lord, don't think you have to come in eloquence of speech or with great wisdom. Just say, I know one thing for sure. The cross, Christ crucified, risen from the dead for me to pay the price for me and he wants to do that for you as well you're listening to walk in truth with pastor michael lance and this was the conclusion of assistant pastor chris van hook's teaching in first corinthians chapter one about what it means to boast in the lord you'll hear from pastor michael in a moment but just so you know we really appreciate your support as a listener would you be willing to help us spread the word about our program Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And when we post something, please share or comment on these posts. Look, social media is used today for some terrible things, and we want to equip the people that are there with the good news of Jesus instead. Please follow us at Walk in Truth Show. That's at Walk in Truth Show. And thanks for doing that. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, for those of you who have been listening to Walk in Truth for a while and praying for us and partnering with us, Hey, a big thank you from myself and the staff here at Walk in Truth. You know, we have a vision to reach many, many more people just like you, but we need partners like you. And some of you have stepped up and become monthly partners, and we're very grateful. And you can find out information about that at walkintruth.com. But you know what? We want to get on more radio stations, and we have a vision on what is ahead of us for Walk in Truth. You know, radio airtime is not free. You may not know that, but radio airtime actually can be quite expensive. And most of the funds that we raise pay for radio airtime and for some of the things that go with us recording and staff and stuff like that. But most of it is for airtime. And we need your partnership. We have opportunities on The Vine, KSGN. 
We have 11 radio stations that we have an opportunity to walk through an open door in Coachella, Hemet, Temecula, Beaumont, Fallbrook, San Francisco, Missouri, North Carolina, Ohio, and even another part of Idaho. We're in a part of Idaho now in the northern part, but we'd like to get in a different part. We can do 13 stations for $3,500. That means if 100 of our listeners, those of you who are benefiting from this program, gave $35 a month, we could get on all 13 of the stations and, and impact the areas that we just talked about. What an amazing opportunity and an amazing opportunity to see your funds, your some of your giving go to reaching more people on radio. You know, radio is a powerful medium. Uh, many people are listening to it, and we're told that one-third of our audience typically is either unchurched or not a Christian. What a powerful platform to reach our world. You know, as we consider our own country right now and the condition of our country, the spiritual condition of the church, man, do we need a revival. Man, do we need a stirring. Man, do we need a wake-up call. Hey, you can be part of that solution when you go to walkintruth.com. Just click on the donate button and you can partner with us. Remember, every little bit helps. You can't do $35 a month. Maybe it's 10, maybe it's $15, but you know what? It helps and it helps us reach more people like you. Hey, we want to say thank you ahead of time. We really appreciate it. And we deeply appreciate your prayers. Thank you for those of you who are praying for us. Keep on praying, and we'll report back to you soon on what the Lord is doing. God bless you. Tune in tomorrow for Pastor Michael's study in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 called Making Proper Appraisals. I'm Mike Massaro. Hey, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. And remember, it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.